Our scripture this morning comes to us from Paul's letter to the Philippian church, chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, starting with verse 5, or as always, it's printed on the cover of your bulletin. As you're able, if you would, please stand in honor of the reading of God's word. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave. Being born in human likeness and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated, and let us pray. Now, dear Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. It is a busy day in the life of the church this morning. We are, as you can tell, continuing our study of Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, our New Testament book of Philippians. We're now in week four, looking at Paul's letter. We have a few more weeks to go. As we look at uh, a joy, about the prominent theme is joy. Uh, Every week, you can see how God gave not only Paul, but God gave us and continues to give us joy. So we continue our look this morning at Paul's letter to the Philippian church. But that's not all. It's also this morning, Communion Sunday. It is our practice uh, on most occasions, on the first Sunday of the month, to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Today being the first Sunday of the month, we will do that. You can see the communion elements here. You can see our white stoles, the white pyramids. Uh, It is a communion Sunday. It is the first Sunday of the month. But that's not all. It's also World Communion Sunday. It's a day when sisters and brothers in Christ around the world and all time zones will gather at the Lord's table as we do. And although everyone is in a different place, we gather together in communion with sisters and brothers from everywhere as we gather at the Lord's table. World Communion Sunday is an idea began decades ago with our sisters and brothers in the Presbyterian Church. In 1940, what was then called the Federation Council of Churches officially adopted the idea and started promoting it worldwide in all denominations. So for now more than 75 years, we have observed the first Sunday of October as World Communion Sunday And we will do that again today. But that's not all. Actually, that is pretty much it. Uh, So you know, those three things. 
So let's begin with the idea of World Communion Sunday. As I said, churches around the globe will gather at the Lord's table this morning to celebrate, to celebrate Holy Communion. It is, the Lord's table for us, is our family table. Communion is our family meal as sisters and brothers in Christ. As you read through the Old Testament, you can see food is very important, not just because it sustains life and it's essential to live, but for other reasons as well. When you read through the books of the law, especially Numbers and Deuteronomy, you can see that God had very specific ideas about food and his people, the Israelites. God wanted the Israelites set apart, distinctive, different from everyone else. And part of the way that God set them apart was in laws regarding food. There are all kinds of laws in terms of what you can eat or not eat. You can eat these things but not these things for this reason and for those reasons. It tells you you can eat with these people but you cannot eat with those people. And if this happens to you, then you can't gather with your sisters and brothers for a certain period of time. All kinds of laws about eating. And not only that, but big celebrations that centered often around food. You had festivals. Festival of Tabernacle. Festival of Pentecost. And others. Regularly through the year, through the Israelite year, there were festivals. Or oftentimes called feasts. Right? the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Pentecost. Boy, you read the Old Testament, it can make you hungry when you read about all the feasts that they had. So it shouldn't surprise us that the table was central to the ministry of Jesus. Jesus could often be found around the table. Uh, Amy Jill Levine, an Old Testament professor at Vanderbilt, writes this. Let me get get the quote for you. She said, What is infectiously appealing about Jesus is that he likes to celebrate. He is constantly meeting people, not at the altar, but at the table. Whether as host, guest, or the body and blood to be consumed. He is indiscriminate in his dining companions, who include Pharisees, tax collectors, sinners, and even an upscale family consisting of two brothers, I'm sorry, two sisters, and a formerly dead brother. The feeding of the 5,000 is one miracle story recounted in all four Gospels. To be in the presence of Jesus is not only to be challenged and comforted, it is also to celebrate at the table. So much of Jesus' ministry happened around the table. It's not surprising that one of the most famous paintings we have of Jesus is Da Vinci's The Last Supper, right, where he is at the head of the table flanked on both sides by his disciples as they gather for a feast, the Feast of Passover, something that had been celebrated annually for millennia. But on that night, Jesus did more. On that night, Jesus transformed that meal into a new meal. For when he broke the bread, he said, this is not just bread, but this is my body broken for you. And he gave them the the wine, and he said, this is not just wine, but this is my blood that will be poured out for you. 
And as often as you eat the bread and drink the wine, do this, he told them, in remembrance of me. And on that night, he instituted the Lord's Supper that we continue to celebrate today. A time when we gather around the table with joy, with joy. And so it makes sense that on World Communion Sunday, we would look at this passage from Philippians chapter 2. Because this passage from Philippians chapter 2, here Paul gives us the gospel in a nutshell. In just a few short verses, you see the entirety of the gospel story. Now before we look at this passage, let me remind you what was said last week. At the end of last week, we talked about verses 3 and 4. This is what Paul says in verses 3 and 4. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interest, but to the interest of others. I mentioned last week that that's a pretty good description of how Jesus himself lived. So when we follow Paul's words in verses 3 and 4, we are really living our lives patterned after the example that Christ set for us. So we shouldn't be surprised at verse 5. After Paul says, live like this, he then says in verse 5, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Now there are days I read that passage and it's comforting to me that I am to have the mind of Christ. Because so many days, my mind just doesn't work all that well. And when you give me a chance to, to upgrade it, to trade it in for a better model, that's a good day for me. But there are also days I hear that passage, and it's a little disconcerting. Because the thought of me having the mind of Christ seems unrealistic, unattainable. And yet, that's what Paul says. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. So how is it that we can have the mind of the one who said, this is my body and this is my blood? Well, Paul, after saying that, gives us the gospel story in a nutshell. We've been studying this in, on Wednesday night, in Wednesday night Bible study. We looked at this passage a couple of weeks ago and I mentioned that early New Testament scholars and, and contemporary New Testament scholars believe this was an early Christian hymn, that they actually sang this. We don't know if Paul actually wrote this hymn or if Paul was quoting someone else, but that here, that Philippians chapter 2 in this passage, it was an early hymn for those early Christians. And when you look at it, it looks like a couple of verses of a hymn. Look at how it breaks down. He says, uh, talks about Christ who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Jesus, part of the Trinity, God three and one, one and three, equal with God, part of the triune Godhead, had no need uh, of human body, human form, was exempt from human death. And yet, Paul says, he did not count that equality with God as something to hang on to, but gave himself up, emptied himself, 
took on the form of a slave, Paul says, being made in human form. That's the Christmas story, right? Jesus left heaven and came to earth as a vulnerable baby in a manger. God with us, Emmanuel. God in human flesh, incarnate. That is the Christmas story. And Paul sums it up right here. But he's not done. And was obedient to death, even death on a cross. The story of Good Friday. The story of, good, uh, of the crucifixion. So here in just a small number of words, Paul paints the story of Christmas and the story of Good Friday. But he's not done. There's another verse. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So if the first verse is about Jesus coming down to earth, the second verse is about him being raised again. Therefore God exalted him, resurrected him, The Easter story, up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph for his foes. So we see in these few short verses, the entirety of the gospel, Jesus, uh, equal with God, came as a baby in a manger, gave his life on a cross, and was raised again, so that at his name every knee would bend and every tongue confess. We confess with our words, with our actions, with our very lives, everything we say and everything we do should be a confession of who Christ is, that Christ is Lord. It's a joyful story. It is a joyful story. So as we prepare to come to the Lord's table, we prepare to come filled with joy. Filled with joy. We hear it. We hear it every month when we do this. When we come together, in a minute I'll have you turn to page 15 and we'll do the liturgy out of the hymnal. But you know it pretty well. I say, the Lord be with you, and you say what? I say, lift up your hearts, and you say what? I say, uh, what do I say next? It is, let us give thanks to the Lord our God, right? Let us give thanks to the Lord our God, and you say, it's right to give our thanks and praise. And then I say, it is right, good, and do you remember what? A joyful thing. It is a joyful thing. Always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. As we come to the table, as we remember the entirety of the gospel story, the life, the death, the resurrection of Christ, we come to the table filled with joy. There's a great hymn that we're going to close with, so you're going to hear these words, but I just want to read them to you. Just hear it. Uh, Talks about the Lord's table and it talks about joy. I come with joy to meet my Lord, forgiven, loved, and free, in awe and wonder to recall his life laid down for me. I come with Christians far and near to find as all are fed the new community of love in Christ's communion bread. As Christ breaks bread and bids us share, each proud division ends. The love that made us makes us one. And strangers now are friends. And thus with joy we meet our Lord, his presence always near. And in such friendship better known, we see and praise him here.
together met, together bound, will go our different ways, and, in, as, and as his people in the world will live and speak his praise. Will live and speak his praise. So as we prepare to come to the table this morning, we do so knowing we come in communion with sisters and brothers around the world. We do so knowing who Christ Jesus is to the world and to us. We come confessing in all we say and in all we do. We come to the table. We come with joy. Let us pray. Gracious God, we do indeed give you thanks and praise for the joy with which we find at the table, the joy that comes from being your children, the joy that comes from experiencing your, your mercy, the joy that comes from experiencing your grace. Lord, as we prepare to come, open our hearts to fill us with your mercy, your grace, your joy. In Jesus' name, amen.